the thing is, what I do is I say three, two, one, mark, and then you clap on the it's mark. It's not about the I. <laughs> yeah, you go on the mark. You see, I am. I'm not. I'm not happy with that. As a as a way of doing things. Mm. Right. I rely on the. I rely on the eye contact. He needs to that's, blink, that's the blink kind of... hard right when you're meant to be clapping. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because if you Phoebe's say... he's actually deaf. <laughs> she just is very good at covering it up. I am the best lip reader in the world. Mm. Ah, but yeah. how about this? There's the problem. Yeah, no, Andrew, yeah. you're kind of fucking me up right now. Yeah. <laughs> with, yeah. the, with that, with your mic placement. Could so be you saying could anything. Move it, do that could be. <laughs> oh, yeah, like the electric company. Just profile, Andrew. Sorry? Uh, yeah, there's that. There's those, like, old ads they used to do in the States that had, the, like, the people in profile, like, saying words opposite each other. It's like a uh, uh, like someone would, one one face would say the first half of the word and the second one would say the second half of the word yeah. or maybe it was like a children's TV. I've only I ever like seen clips out. of it. Yeah, um, so it'd be like book from like opposite sides of book like that. That's like a I, look. <laughs> this is a real thing, <laughs> <laughs> and it's for an it's for the electric company. No, it's called the electric company. I don't think it's an ad. Oh for the yeah, company. no, the electric company was a TV show that was like a. Wasn't it like a Sesame Street type thing? Oh. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. It's some sort of American thing. It's very possible. Okay. Yeah. Basically, now imagine you know all of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now okay. I'll go back and think okay. about it again. Okay. I know this information, so, so, do, your, so do your bit again. Uh, well, and again, this is, this is entirely audio medium, but uh, Andrew turned profile uh, to his webcam, we mm -hmm. and it looked as though, and he's doing it right now, you Whoa. can't see it, but I can. Ook. And it yeah. looks as though he is on The Electric Company, a show which apparently no one has ever seen. <laughs> it was an, an well, Emmy-winning yeah, Emmy instructional series from Children's Television Workshop, now called Sesame Workshop, uh, oh, teaching yeah. basic grammar and reading skills to kids 6 to 10 through skits, songs, sketch comedy, and animated sections. Segments, sorry. Mm. Like words coming sketch up. Sketch comedy about grammar. That is, um, I think that sounds good. I think that sounds better than most sketch comedy. From the mid-70s. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of it is bad. Teaching kids about grammar through the medium of blackface. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the mid-70s. Why oh, not? Oh, I see. Yeah, that was the... Um, <laughs> we still show it in the Netherlands. <laughs> um, it's the mid-70s for most of the world and just like last year in France. Exactly, yeah. Um, they don't. They don't care in France. They're not interested. It's because you don't understand French satire. That is right. They are nothing like the clowns you know. No, no. <laughs> these are not your grandma's clowns. Yeah, very, very sad and uh, you know thought-provoking pratfalls. Don't need my pratfalls to make me think. I just don't need that. No, they're that they are trained pratfalls. They are mm. theatrically trained pratfalls. They are art. Yeah. A clown tripping into a bo box marked Societe. <laughs> um, and then you're like, oh no, the French have got me again. I'm shedding a single tear. Ooh. Yeah, that is right. You look, at, you look into the flower and it, and it misses you with, um, you know, like a, a scent that reminds you of your childhood. <laughs> um, that sort of thing. That's actually the original start. If you know that book, Perfume, about the guy who goes around oh, murdering yeah, yeah. women. Oh, yeah. Um, I canc cancelled yeah. <laughs> that guy. Yeah, first of all, that's very problematic Patrick of him. Patrick Suskind, right? Pretty sus, please, writing a uh, book about this. Please, please inform 
the men to not kill women specifically to attempt to capture their essence in order to create the perfect perfume. Please well, maybe just if, tell men to stop doing that. Maybe if they would try not having such nice essences. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, mm. fair. That's fair. But anyway, it's the, the, the original <laughs> she was walking start. walking around smelling like anything. <laughs> the she original had a deep start. primrose <laughs> aroma. Primroses don't really smell of anything. I was, um... Well, according to you, but to a horny man... <laughs> I was uh, I was taking my kids to a school disco, so it was like you know one of their first little school mm. school disco things after school, and I I, I took my I took my two uh, daughters to it. They're five and seven, and the seven year old we're like lining up to get in, and the seven year old sees one of her friends, uh, mm. and they're chatting, and then they're like talking about some poster on the wall, and my five year old daughter just kind of sidles up directly behind my my other daughter's friend and puts her puts her face really close to the back of her head and goes <sighs> Oh that is amazing. And, yes. and I just looked at her and like caught her eye and just shook my head like no no and she says out loud what I'm just smelling her hair <laughs> And um, child is a legend. Yeah, and I was and like, potential murderer. Yeah, you. She will be writing the perfume sequel. It was just one of those moments where I was like, no, perfume no, two. don't. When we're out, when we're out, no sniffing people's hair. That's a general rule, I think. Yeah, is is that a general rule? Because I did that on the train on the way here. Mm. It doesn't count when it's me though. Okay. That's fine. Was it someone, that's, that's you, was it someone you knew? Exchange. No. Mm. How close were you to the person? About six feet, because of the rules. Oh, how are you going to smell somebody's hair in that like a smelling straw. <laughs> I have a very, very advanced sense of smell. Mm. I'm like a truffle pig. <laughs> oh. If they if they learned to breed truffle cows, we would be living in a different oh, society, truly. I'd be so happy. What yeah, I was going right. to say is that the original opening of the book Perfume about the Right, smell murder man. I've kind of lost the smell uh, murder man. The smell murder man. I've yeah. kind of lost. I kind of lost like uh, it. Uh, it's not. It's no longer a good bit, but um, just as a matter of uh, matter of principle, I feel like I must complete the bit. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's what we stand for on this show. <laughs> it's not about the listener. It's about the principle of the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, the original start is him going to the circus and being sprayed in the face by a clown with a flower on his lapel, and that's oh. what originates his obsessive interest. I have read that you. book, but I don't remember much about it, other than the weird bit where well, he goes That's the original start. They edited that out because oh, they right. thought it was too dark. Oh. It's too emotional, getting sprayed by a clown. Yeah. Of what I remember exactly. from that book, I feel like the movie uh, made the character a lot more palatable to look at. Because they describe isn't him- it ben, Isn't it Ben Whishaw? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying in the yeah. book, I, I recall in the book that they're describing him as like a real goblin. You know, they're really making him he sound... He has a kind of golem-like energy. Yeah, yeah, real bunyip of a guy, you know? Mm. Not uh, mm. not so good. And then they get Ben Wishaw in there and they go, we'll put a little grease on your face. Now you're, mm. now you're gross, Ben. Uh, <laughs> not as gross as the character, you know? Yeah, yeah. Again, just, a problematic I just, character. I was just considering if I could do Ben Wishaw, but I'm I'm not sure I've got enough data points <laughs> on the Dent Ben Wishaw voice. Um, it's kind of like a higher-pitched Hugh Grant. That's how I remember him. He's kind, he's kind of talks a bit like that. He's Ben Wishaw. No, but I think that's him doing a voice. Oh. I think it's he has that kind of like sort of slightly hesitant, um, you know. 
Oh yeah, no, I guess so. The last thing I saw him in was in um, David Copperfield. Mm. Uh, this is the podcast where we half remember <laughs> pieces of media that we've consumed. And now I think about it, it might not have been Ben Whishaw. <laughs> was it could have been almost anyone. Could have been Michael Caine. Um, welcome to Masters of Our Domain, a podcast where sometimes we don't start the podcast until <laughs> ten minutes into the recording. Um, I am uh, Milo Edwards, someone who has not seen Seinfeld, and I'm joined by my co-host. Uh, Phoebe Roy. Hello. That is all she ever says. And uh, this week, in an attempt to notionally discuss Seinfeld, and we'll see how long that lasts, uh, we are joined by a man who very much has seen Seinfeld, uh, a podcaster, Australian, all-round good guy, Andrew Law. Noted Australian. Hello. How's it going? (laughs) Welcome, Andrew. Thank Mm. you. Thank you for having me to talk about a show that I have absolutely seen. When you said... We'll tell you the episode. <laughs> I said, don't worry, I've seen it. Whatever it is. Ah, so excited. It's yeah. very, very exciting. It's very exciting to have somebody on who has A, seen it, and uh, B, doesn't behave like we're like exacting some kind of horrible penalty on them by making them watch it. <laughs> like, like we've had like quite a, quite a run of guests who've just been like, sorry, is this supposed to be a comedy? It's like, yes, it yes. is supposed to be a comedy. Very funny. It is the best comedy ever made. <laughs> I absolutely. And you can it, shut your mouth <laughs> I, or I'll get you for racism. I think it's very interesting to read about like the sort of production history of Seinfeld at the time, because like mm. while it was coming out, it was it wasn't very well received until about the point that we're up to in the show, because mm. they did the right, first okay. season and it was like not that many episodes and it was like a bit of a lukewarm reception and they they weren't sure whether they were going to put more of it on and then they had the second season i think this episode that we're going to talk about today was written earlier on in the run and the network executive said we're not putting this on until later in the series because we're so convinced people are going to fucking hate it Ooh, interesting And this was the episode. I, no, I am, uh, I'm fascinated by the background stuff. Well, this was the episode that Larry David threatened to quit over if they made any major changes to the script. Oh, so it, this was a this was a contentious one. Okay. Well, this is this is season. If you're if you've not been following along and are therefore able to predict what episode <laughs> it is, this is uh, season two, episode eleven, the Chinese restaurant. Uh, Chinese restaurants are very a very controversial matter in uh, in America in the nineties. Which I am sure is the reason for the network executive's caution. Really? Um, no. <laughs> you're looking at me like, <laughs> as though like like Chinese restaurants. That's just a red rag to a bull. We're putting that later in the season. <laughs> Very strong views. You could have kept that going for ages. I would have believed you. Gone right along with yeah. it. Well, it's would, yeah, I don't yeah. It was because this this was the first. Uh, this is the first episode that really like hammered home the show about nothing thing mm. Uh, mm. because it's a bottle episode. They don't go anywhere. Mm. Uh, you don't even see Kramer for the whole episode. There's only two episodes in the whole run of the show that don't have Kramer in them, and this is one of them. Uh-huh. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's why everyone's constantly asking, "Where's Kramer?" I, <laughs> where's in the contract? <laughs> if only, if if only it was filmed today, and they could have been FaceTiming Kramer. Uh, throughout the episode, yeah, yeah, they actually missed out on that because they could have had Kramer walk into the restaurant and immediately get a table because, like, he has an illegal cockfighting thing going on with the <laughs> owner of the restaurant or something. That would have been a good twist. 
But I also... Kramer does get into cockfighting later on in the show. Of course he does. <laughs> little Jerry. Little Jerry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he gets a chicken called Little Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> this is also... Uh, this episode's supposed to be in real time as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. All one episode, yeah. real time. So, I, like, I, I gather that it was a weird thing to be doing on TV at the time. At least from a sitcom point of view, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, was it the was it because I thought it was the first episode that won them their first award, but I'm not sure if that's actually right or if that's just me uh, sort of blowing smoke. I think they f- for the second season they got Emmy nominations. Um, uh, I, okay. I don't think anyone won. They might have won something for writing one of the episodes, oh, okay. but um, uh, okay. Well, then I'm then I'm then I'm making that up. I think because uh, I told I told Milo that quite confidently. And this he didn't episode argue. won the coveted Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> Every year, everyone descends on the Phoebe Awards. Yeah. Uh, they get a gold Phoebe if they yeah. win. Like they get a, it's a little gold Phoebe. Yeah, it's cute. A little statuette. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's filled with chocolate. <laughs> Why is it filled with chocolate? Just because it, that would be funny that like, you assume it's a gold statuette, but it's just foil on a chocolate statuette. Filled away. Too close to Easter. That's the issue. That's what's happened to me. I've got Easter on the brain. Yeah. Been, you've got uh, Easter blindness. You think about Easter as it gets earlier every year, you know? <laughs> All the Easter stuff. The kids are going on about Easter, making their Easter lists. Easter mania. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, it's terrible. Uh, right. The episode. It begins with a bit. Um, as they as they so often do, uh, and this is, I think, one of the most inscrutable Seinfeld bits so far because it's so like lodged in the '90s mm. and like a particular like New York '90s thing um, that I genuinely had to like watch it twice to understand what the fuck he was talking about. Like, literally, the only note I wrote for this bit was, "I don't understand what this means." So I well, <laughs> I did the research. Okay. So uh, Jerry Seinfeld is talking about how apparently on a payphone in New York in the early nineties, you could just like go over the amount of time you had paid for, and then basically the payphone would ring you back after you hung up and been like, "You need to put more money in the payphone. You now owe us money." And then he's like, "But you know, he's like, I now they're sweating because I, I there's nothing they can do. You know, I let it ring a few times and I pick it up and I'm like, oh yeah, I got the money. I got it right here. Oh, you want it, do you? Um." And uh, basically, this bit is hauntology. Mm. It's a uh, he like as he's saying it, as he's saying like you know. And then I hang up the phone, and people start laughing. And he goes, mm. "You know, you know what happens next? The payphone <laughs> yeah. rings, and it's the phone company asking for money." And everybody goes, "Ah, had common experience. <laughs> everybody all together. What's the deal with that?" Yeah, it's the electric company phoning up asking for more money. <laughs> <laughs> I I assume this is why like American uh, phone companies really fucked people on like the minutes and stuff when uh oh. when when mobile oh. phones came out there. You know, they had their absurd plans, and it's like you have a set number of minutes you're allowed to talk for, and if you go over, we're gonna fuck you so hard. And it's because you so refuse to put the quarter revenge back in. <laughs> they laughed at us on Seinfeld in prime time. <laughs> They're still recouping the emotional damage yeah. back for that. The phone company executives. You never go against the phone company. Imagine uh, being that person, though, where your job is like an operator and you have to call people back and say, hey, um, I know you're just walking away from the phone, but maybe, could we, like, you know, you use the extra minutes. Be reasonable. Yeah. 
It's only fair. It's just, come on. The phone company. Come on, mate. <laughs> you've turned the phone company into that, that friend who's like really anxious about you paying them back for your split of the, of the takeaway like immediately. Like, yeah, I'd just rather have it now, you know? <laughs> just like, if you wouldn't mind. And you're like, yeah, I'll get it to you. And they're like, yeah, but will you though? Will you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, just, can I just do it now? In fact, mm. you know, I know it's eight, but can you give me 10? Just otherwise it gets nasty. <laughs> Yeah, it's difficult when someone owes you like twenty five cents. You know, you can't ask for that back. It's too, it's too awkward. Even though it is rightfully yours, you know, that's the that's what the phone company is struggling with. Oh, there, sticking up yeah. for the phone is, companies now. Is what I was going to say. Is it rightfully theirs, or is it a public utility which should be available for free? First, he's defending the electric company. Now he's defending yeah. the phone company. That's all right. Milo, cat capitalist Milo, Edwards. That's right. um, I've been replaced with the spirit of Matt Hancock on this podcast. You know, the absolute worst thing is that I am so uh, conditioned to any kind of voice of authority that if the phone like called me back and said you need to put some money in, I would, I would do it. <laughs> like just in, like just in case I would somehow get in trouble. You're, you're, <laughs> like, well, okay. You're one of those people who's going to get done with the phone scam. Do you guys get? Like phone scams there? Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. But I'm also really, really paranoid and yeah. suspicious. So I don't, so I will never get done by a phone scam because I literally just, anything which is communicated to me, I just ignore it. Yeah. yeah. That seems like the best, <laughs> the best my, thing to my do. My favorite scam I ever learned about was actually on your podcast, Andrew. The one where people were phoning up from the Australian tax office saying that people owed them money yeah. and insisting that they pay this money in iTunes gift yeah, cards. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Classic Australian tax office. If you walk into any like post office here, if you walk into an Australia Post post office, there will be signs up around the counter that say, if someone is asking you to pay for something with iTunes gift cards, it is a scam. Uh, just for all the olds wandering in. Yeah, it's really her iTunes business model, actually, <laughs> that, that campaign. I don't know how many people were walking in and asking for like $600 worth of iTunes gift cards at any given time before this I've point. I've got a lot of nephews. Yeah. <laughs> Payback a debt collector. You still get iTunes gift cards. Mm. It's actually a scam that's being organized by <laughs> people's nephews. <laughs> and they just want more iTunes gift cards. It's a very it's a very funny like to me it's a very funny way for a particular type of like fraud to have unfolded in that Mm. They've clearly gone through all the different options and payment methods and arrived. They've winnowed it right down to, if I get yeah. you to scratch off the back of the iTunes gift card and show it to me, I can redeem that <laughs> and it's untraceable and no one's going to do anything about it. That's, this is where we've arrived at mm. is iTunes. I don't know how you meant to convert that currency into anything beyond like mm. buying movies. I just, assume, I just assume that they're like just buying stuff through iTunes. I just assume they're just making lots yeah. of in-app purchases on like Clash of Kings or something. Well, why? Because they're like... <laughs> they're just addicted to gaming. They just really, really like Angry Birds. I wonder... Is Angry Birds still a thing? Am I making myself sound elderly? Oh, they're probably, they're probably going to make another fucking movie and then I'll have to watch that a bunch of times, you know? Mm. There's, a, there's a movie of Angry Birds? There's more than one movie, thank you. What... Well, Andrew, you know what you're coming back on this podcast for. <laughs> movie corner, movie corner. Oh, there is there is a an Angry Birds movie, and it has like every comedian in the fucking world in it because uh, like a Chinese company went, here's a ridiculous budget, pay whoever you want. So it's got like Jason Sudeikis and 
in the fucking lead role. It's got everybody in the world. It's got Danny McBride Andrew in Dice it. Dice Clay Pigeon. It's got Josh Gad For in fuck's it. sake. And there is, Josh Gad. There is a scene um, where three of the Angry Birds realize that they are drinking the piss of one of the other birds. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. When the Angry Birds <laughs> go to Berghain. Yeah. Yeah. Angry Birdhain. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Birdhain. <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. That sounds like that sounds like something. How can you make? But how can you make a? Is there is there a plot or? The plot is the plot is is what you do with these movies, which is you take the plot of the mobile phone video game, mm. and you st- the classic bird versus pig story. One of the three classic types of story that we have. Well, if you had paid attention to Angry Birds lore while playing the games. <laughs> You would know. You would know that the pigs come and steal all of the eggs from the birds, and that is what makes them angry. Uh, Why do the pigs steal the eggs? The pigs. They want to eat the eggs. I assume. Pigs don't eat eggs. A pig. Really? A pig egg. would absolutely. <laughs> Double pigs and there's egg pigs. If you gave a, a pig an egg, it would 100% eat the egg. Hard, hard <laughs> That's boiled, my raw. <laughs> I will not. I will not entertain any argument about this. Okay. I think you could tip a you could tip a bucket full of eggs into a trough, and the pigs would clean them up. Quick smart. People listening to this podcast are wondering what an appropriate metaphor <laughs> for the content policy of this show is. Uh, don't think about that. No, don't. No. Never think about that. Do not think. Continue to give us your Patreon money. We are we um, are very lucky to be joined on the pod today by a renowned uh, pig diet expert, <laughs> Andrew Law. I've just watched. Uh, I've watched what? What movie is it? Oh, there's fucking uh, uh, Lockstock. No, it's not Lockstock. It's Snatch, isn't it? Where old mate Brick Tops talking about all the the pig farms being used to dispose of dead yeah, bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they'll eat a you dead body, they'll eat an pigs. egg. They go through bone like butter. Yeah, just like that. I wonder what I that actually is. a lot of time working on my uh, Alan Ford. There you go. Is that guy. Thank you. Alan Ford. I think I did the Alan Ford voice every day during my fourth year of university. I see. Because a friend and I who hung out a lot, we would just talk to each other in the Alan Ford voice. Uh, and if you watch the movie Hannibal, uh, it has Gary Oldman in it in like unrecognizable uh, facial scarring makeup mm. uh, where he looks like he's oh, is, is he buffalo bill no is he, he ex oh wait no sorry yeah that's the, the that's the science of the lambs not hannibal different movie he's uh he's one of hannibal's victims hannibal talked him into cutting his own right, face right, right. off with shards of a mirror and feeding it to his dogs mm. uh but huh. he has a, a pig farm as well that he uses to dispose of dead bodies with why does he mm. do that that's horrible well you know I guess he has a lot of dead bodies to move. I don't know. No, no. Why does he persuade <laughs> him to cut his face oh, off? Oh, well, get this. Charles get this. This Hannibal Lecter guy, he's kind of got a dark side. <laughs> uh-huh, I see. Okay. Because to me, he sounds a little bit problematic. Is there any <laughs> Is there any more information about this Hannibal? I can't Actually, believe that Hannibal Lecter is still we, on can, Saturday can Night we, Live. Can we call out Hannibal? <laughs> <laughs> I will actually say that um, that Hannibal Hannibal's notes app apology. Hannibal as a character is is very very fixated on manners. Um, mm. main, mainly the reasons that he like eats and kills people throughout uh, the series is that they have been rude to him. Uh, Hannibal said that if I didn't let him eat my leg, I would never get anywhere in cannibalism. This is interesting because that's got a quite a Larry David vibe. It's just taking it a little bit further. Yeah. 
Sadly, um, I will never be watching Hannibal under any circumstances because cannibalism freaks me out and uh, I simply will not do it. Cannibalism freaks you out, does it, Phoebe? As opposed to most people who have a very relaxed attitude to cannibalism. The laissez-faire cannibals of the modern liberal society. Conservatives like Phoebe Roy are just not. You listen here. It particularly freaks me out more than the average, I would say. I was going to I say be like more than other things, <laughs> more yeah. than like eating an orange or <laughs> eating I don't know another food. Uh, shut the hell up! No, you know when people have those kind of like oh, like if you're in a plane crash, could you eat a person? Like I can't even listen to one of those conversations because <laughs> like it freaks very, me out. <laughs> a very minor plane crash, like just on the runway, like everyone's <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, right, like we're done here. Everyone's straight put, in there. Every man for himself. <laughs> Immediately trying to get like, the other passengers to vote on who to kill. <laughs> on a normal easy jet flight and yeah. they just run out of paninis and you're like right we don't know how <laughs> long it's going to be till they open those doors <laughs> it could be as much as 15 minutes come here I, I, come here guess the hand just for the record for the record while we're putting stuff out into the public sphere oh fuck um, yeah. I just want to get it down on paper I will absolutely eat somebody if I'm given the opportunity not Ooh. just if, like, not just out of desperation. Like, if you're act, if you're just like given the opportunity. Look, I think if I could do it, and I was pretty, pretty reassured, no one would ever find out. I would absolutely do it. Really? Let's say, let's wow. say, I'm out how would the, you prepare it? Are we putting them in the smoker? What are we doing? Someone's, like they get cooked, surely. You know, I don't want just a like. In the same way, I don't want a, a steak that has not been cooked at all. I don't just want a lump of somebody's thigh. You know, I assume we're doing yeah. something with it. Assume we're grilling. I want a person tartar. No, not not especially, okay. not especially. But I want to check it out. You know, mm. would it bother you if the person had been killed specifically for you to eat them? I thought you were going to say if they'd been cancelled. Um, no, that that like that that adds a particular flavour to the meat. Mm. It's a kind of smoky <laughs> intensity. Uh, mm. Look, you know, if we're being completely hypothetical, let's say somebody like like the uh, like the the German dick eating guy. You remember him? Mm. Guy was like, yeah, yeah, hey, hey. That. German guy who eats dicks or guy who eats German dicks? German guy who eats German dicks, I think. Yeah, I think, uh, he, eats, I think, he, I think he eats German <laughs> dick. Yeah, he, he found a guy. It's quite hard to get international if you're a dick eater. I, I think so. I think so. Metal Gear Solid 3. <laughs> international <laughs> dick, eater. dick eater, yeah. <laughs> um, Andrew, go on. Look, you know. It's a purely hypothetical situation, so maybe yeah. maybe somebody uh, was very happily putting themselves forward for it, you know, like the German dick guy. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So I, if if would it would you prefer to eat somebody who you really hated, who had been killed for you to eat, or would you prefer to eat somebody who had been killed for you to eat but had done so voluntarily and that's what they wanted? Uh, I'd prefer to eat somebody who has lived free range for most of their life. Uh, mm-hmm. I think okay. you get better flavor Organic in the meat that farmed. way. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and I suspect that maybe eating a person with bad vibes might have a bad taste. You know, mm. uh. never know. You maybe you eat a hater and it just tastes bitter. <laughs> what if? Ba- yeah, what if bad vibes are kind of contagious? Yeah, mm. that's how you survive in the plane crash cannibalism scenario. You're like, oh, I have really bad vibes. Just do a vibe check. You do a vibe check. You do a you do a vibe check. Oh, what, you just tell everyone, just like, just behave really like, obnoxiously. On the, on the flight, I was watching the Angry Birds movie. You do not want to eat me. 
I'm like a pig with an egg over here. How how do how do we get how do we get here? It's been a long journey. Okay. I, I think let's not vibes as bad um, as George. Vibes as bad as George Costanza. George yeah, has so. has very bad vibes as a person, doesn't he? Uh, oh, I disagree. He I has think the exact I think vibe he has of all okay of my vibes. friends. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, problem with his vibes. Let me let me clarify. I so so if if we are talking about the television show Seinfeld, um, I I think that it has like a similar sort of arc to. I was watching like season three Simpsons recently. Mm. And okay. I, like, I just hadn't watched any for ages and ages. And I threw on an early season, but watched through the one season instead of jumping around. And I was really struck by how much like uh, the characters have personalities and the episodes have full storylines. Uh, like like the characters have an arc and they learn a thing and they talk to the other members of their family about it. Stuff like that, you know. Um, they're not all mm. acting like they fucking hate each other and don't care about what happens to each other. That sort of thing. I was mm. kind of struck by it. And mm. I think Seinfeld has a bit of a similar arc in the sense that, like, initially, I think the show is written as a bit of a kind of, I don't know, when Harry met Sally, here's, here's adults living in the city and, you know, getting by and having relationships and stuff. And then as the show goes along and you see them really settle into, like, the Larry David getting put into horrifyingly awkward circumstances, uh, really hating everybody who's around you, getting very caught up on like minor quibbles about social rules and all that sort of thing. I think the characters mm. turn into much more exaggerated versions of themselves. So I think, mm. that, uh, I think that a lot of George's like less likable traits become much more pronounced as the show goes on. And I think at this point, he's still yeah, more of a normal friend. True. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I like the only thing I would say, I would say is I think that they become more fully themselves and they become even though they are all in their own ways very very loathsome, they uh, I think they turn into much more naturalistic characters than them when they're trying to kind of fit themselves into a They were no longer sort of little girls. Shaped box they were up. little women. Yeah, it's it's much less about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Beg your pardon. <laughs> That's the end of Seinfeld, as I understand it. <laughs> and the, when the characters have blossomed into the fullest version of themselves and are therefore now more yeah. delicious. Um, last episode, the Seinfeld plane crash episode. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's funny we should say that. It's funny you should say that. That literally is the last episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> it literally is the last episode of Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. I well, won't spoil plane it. crash. Yeah, I won't spoil any more of it. But okay. yeah, there, yeah. Oh, because Milo doesn't you, know. You, Milo you, have to eat boiled eggs. Do you have a specific kind of psychic ability which is just about predicting Seinfeld storylines? <laughs> it might be because every time you come the worst up, worst thing to be cursed. Because with. every time you come up with like a speculative plot line, I'm just like, you know, that happens. Have you been reading up on Wikipedia without my knowledge? No, I just have a. I don't know. I just have a vibe, I guess, for Seinfeld, um, despite having not seen very much of it. Um, right. So that the, what happens in the episode is that uh, they are all going out, uh, George, Elaine, and Jerry, to see Plan Nine from Outer Space. Jerry has uh, the bad science fiction B movie because in Seinfeld they only ever mention either movies from like fifty years ago or like fake movies. That's my understanding. Uh, well, yeah, no, no, this is actually not correct. But um, as I have been. Repeatedly and brutally reminded. Right. Okay. So that's that's not correct. But <laughs> so that's not correct in the Phoebe verse. I am. Yeah. yeah. I was. Um, uh, that that was a mental note to me. Was that they were talking about a real 
shitty B movie mm. as opposed to like yeah, one of yeah. the fake ones with Larry David in it or like yeah. all of Yeah. I feel like in, in later seasons, there's much more of talking about like a fake movie that they're going to see. Yeah. And I think mm. even that's true. Even like further on into the show, there's like references between pieces of media to each other and um, like they wind up doing adaptations of like Rochelle Rochelle and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, there is an adaptation oh, of Rochelle Rochelle. Yeah, a it's a stage of... adaptation that has Bette Midler in it. So yeah, like like the all of the made up stuff has its own internal life within the show and gets referred mm. to later on and everything. But this is one of the rarer times that they're just like, here is a real thing we want to go and see. And it's a big piece of shit. Well, in fact, this ep- this episode, speaking of uh, things having their own sort of self-referential arcs, mm. this episode is referred to much, much later on when... By a podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Seinfeld invented podcast. Not a lot of people know that. Yeah. Um, later on when George and Jerry are writing a sitcom about Jerry's life, mm-hmm. one of their suggested pitches that's is, very fucking self-referential. It's a show about nothing whereby, whereby, you know, when you're just waiting for a table at a Chinese restaurant and just like nothing's happening. And like that's their specific pitch for, for like an episode of their show. Yeah, because I, I remember at that point, you know, they're talking about what if it was just a show about nothing and George says, that time we were stuck in the Chinese restaurant. That could be an episode. That's a show. That's a show. So, that's an episode of the show. But yeah, that, that becomes an entire whole like very very meta run of the show talking about exactly the kinds of things that were happening behind the scenes while they were making these episodes yeah and like uh, i was reading a thing before that was saying that like seinfeld was saying that this was the point where the network was saying we really don't get what you're trying to do with this show <laughs> like, I, I think which is exactly what you want a network to say to you a- yeah. apparently they were they were having enough success and retaining enough of like uh cheers's lead-in audience um mm. for them to say well the show's doing well and people are responding to it so this was the point where they were saying we don't know what you're doing but we'll let you do it anyway uh as opposed to we don't know what you're doing and we want you to change it you know I'd like someone to say, we don't know what you're doing, but we're going to let you do it anyway. Why does no one ever say that to me? It'd feel nice, wouldn't it? I think it It would be nice. People's response to you is more of a mournful, like, I know I can't stop you doing this, (laughs) and I accept that. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel about some of Phoebe's plans. She just tells me about them, and I'm like, well, there's no point arguing about this. I'm just going to... Yeah, that's that's true. I can't really... Oh. because Phoebe often also frames an idea in the like, I know this is a bad idea, but I'm doing it anyway, <laughs> which you do kind of have to respect. So I guess yeah, I think that's a little bit rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, we're not here to discuss me. Um, so the plot, uh, the plot of this episode, yeah. I, I think, is like interesting in that you can boil it down to like what four sentences. It's like they mm. go to a Chinese restaurant because they're heading to a movie and they want to eat fast, but they can't get a table. Mm. So Jerry's storyline is he sees a woman he recognizes but can't remember who it is. George's storyline is he wants to use the payphone, an important 90s artifact, uh, to call a girl that he's seeing and tell her where they are. But he can't get to the phone because it's in use. And Elaine's entire storyline is... Everyone's being called back by the phone company. (laughs) (laughs) Elaine's entire storyline is Elaine is hungry. 
<laughs> really, really regressive female stereotyping in this episode. Women, you know, do women be they, they just be hungry. Women are yeah. hungry. Mm. Like never, like never let a woman get hungry because you don't know what will happen. She'll be, fu- she'll be, she'll be out of her plane seat, and she'll have her teeth in your thigh if you yeah, let a woman get hungry. Why is it? We all agreed we're gonna like, eat this just... guy. <laughs> even like Wait, just what? No, the lights have just gone on. We're just not about to get off. <laughs> Musical plane chairs, and the loser gets eaten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, why is it that even like rabidly hungry Julia Louis Dreyfus is like a sexually confusing energy for me? When will we find <laughs> the episode of Seinfeld where I'm not distracted by this? Oh, there isn't one. She's no. um, she's such a fucking babe in this show. I think. Oh yeah, I think yeah. She's yeah. just yeah, she's is, a great this is a character. Repeating theme. Mm. Like um. Oh yeah, yeah. I love her. I love her. And like she and uh, she and she create she created Elaine. Like Elaine just sort of started as like the straight like as a character like as like the straight man is just like the girl mm. um the hungry she, one the, oh, yeah <laughs> every show needs a hungry every, one every, yeah exactly <laughs> yes uh, i think wife. initially yeah. it was very much like she's here because she used to date jerry and they're still trying to be friends yeah. That seemed to be like but about she, it. But then she was just like, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make this character so much hungry. I'm gonna make this character just so hungry, <laughs> so hot and so hungry." I would really respect like an incredibly cursed postmodern sitcom where like the whole bit of one of the characters is that they're just like constantly extremely hungry in a way that like derails every scene, ravenously trying to get to the next piece of food. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that actually that is just Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo's not aggressive enough about it, though. I would like to see. Yeah. I would like to see you know more sort of pushing people out of the way, taking food out of other <laughs> characters' hands, that kind of stuff. Eating the other characters. Yeah. Could you fe- could you mm. feed a person to Scooby Doo if you needed to get rid of her or Aurora? I oh, Scooby would definitely eat Aurora. Yeah, shell and everything. I think Scooby would cry the whole time. I think he'd be like, Aww. oh no, <laughs> like he'd be he'd be really bummed out about it. I think because like he's got friends, but, you know. But he'd still do it. Mm. I don't think Scooby is like uh, you know when somebody dies and then they find the body and they're like, and the cat ate her face, and mm. and mm. I'm always like, yeah, you got a starving animal and you got this exposed section of meat. It's it's gonna happen, you know. It's just at the end of the day, mm. it's just an animal that you. You're hanging out with in your house, you know? Uh, you don't want the animal to die as well, but Scooby spends all of his time with people. Uh, talking to him. Yeah. He appears mm. to harbor the ability for speech, you know? Yeah. Communicates yeah, very that's frequently true. with his best friends. Imagine trying to make him eat Shaggy. Come on. Do you think, so you, mm. do you think Scooby would think of himself as a dog or as a person? Personally. So you think he sort of self-conceptualizes? Absolutely. He's just, like a, he's just a person with like real body dysmorphia. Does he have a soul? <laughs> I think I think Scooby... All right, I'm going to apply... I read this pamphlet. <laughs> I'm going to hell. He is. He can go straight to hell. <laughs> Fucking dipshit Great Dane. I hate him. What is grunty? <laughs> Uh, I think you have to apply Bigfoot rules to Scooby, which is that he clearly likes weed and watching television. And you you got to have a soul for that. Bigfoot rules. But yeah, what Bigfoot rules? Uh, like if somebody asked me, does Bigfoot have a soul? My answer mm. would be absolutely. Because he smokes weed and watches television. Because he's got a big foot, yeah, so I he must so. have <laughs> a soul. 
Am I right, lads? But, hey! yep. He's a gentle, um, he's a gentle you can't giant. can't see me, but I'm Sorry. dabbing. <laughs> mm. The question I never understood with Bigfoot is he supposed to just have one Bigfoot and the one regular foot? Yes. It'd be weird to and call him. If it's him, two big that's feet, canon. shouldn't it be big feet? I call him big feet. That's just, that's outrageous. That's just, that's just, that's just insulting. <laughs> People get too horny. <laughs> Does, does it's two of big, these? Yeah, does Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, now we're talking. <laughs> it's Bigfoot. Wait, that's Scooby Doo horny for Bigfoot. Oh, <laughs> oh. Scooby Doo on wiki feet, just being like, he should be on here. Foot He's the and original food fetishist, foot. <laughs> Scooby Doo. Yeah. Okay, so all right, so Scooby Doo would not eat a person. Mm-hmm. Or he would, but he'd be sad about it. What? What if he? What if like you'd killed somebody and you were trying to get rid of the body? Would you be able to give it to Scooby Doo to deal with? I think you could, but it would take a lot of subterfuge, where you would have to like cut off a person's leg and then cut it off at the knee and then kind of strip the meat down and glaze it and put the kind of lines in it as though it were a big baked ham on a bone. Mm. Present that to Scooby, mm. and he would go, <laughs> and like, he'd like, oh, un- like unhinge his jaw, of- and he'd just bang that down, pull out the yeah. bare bone. Uh, mm. So oh, as long as this is, this is a this is a real, how did this one particular? But then you've still got a bone, so you see that. Yeah, the- this is real. Like, how does this one particular like Corinthian family incur the wrath of the gods? Story. Tricking Scooby Doo by telling him he can have it. <laughs> yeah. Sweet, sweet innocent like angel the- Scooby-Doo Their sons uh, uh, and their Aeschylus. sons' sons He tells us so much about the uh, the human condition yep. Their sons' sons and their sons' sons When you die and face Cursed. your judgement You, you discover that you have tainted a pure and innocent being In the form of Scooby-Doo And that's why you're going to help Peter with his scroll being like Okay, so <laughs> You fed a dead body to Scooby-Doo? Okay, no, that's it. We're not even going to finish reading this. Down you go. There's no explaining that one away, I think. No. You're joining the Great Dane in hell. Why is the Great Dane in hell? Gluttony. No, that's Marmaduke. Dogs. Marmaduke's in hell (laughs) for being fucking unfunny. That's... (laughs) <laughs> his crime. Yeah, fuck you, Marmaduke. Your bits are terrible. Marmaduke doesn't talk yeah. either. He-, he doesn't have a soul. Get him out of here. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So, are you saying that if you can't talk, you don't have a soul? Uh, apparently, that's w- what I. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, Andrew, that's the Andrew taking a hard anti mute stance. Apparently, that's the position I've cornered myself into here. Yeah. I'm g- We're not actually taking that <laughs> stance. Yeah. I believe. Ironically, the position you have talked yourself into. Yeah. Exactly. Me and my big soul. Um, Mm. So Scooby Doo's not a Great Dane. I thought he was. He is a Great Dane. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm just saying Scooby Doo's yeah. going to heaven because he died a martyr. And Marmaduke, Marmaduke will the be in other hell. famous Great Dane, is going to hell. Oh, he's going to hell. He's going to hell because he does not help out his owner at all. He's just knocking shit over, making a mess. He's not saying anything funny. What's Marmaduke mm. ever done for anyone? Mm. Well, you could say Just that like he's like other a, Danes, to be honest. You could say that he's send them all to hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! My okay, okay. Um, they should have given Scooby Doo a Danish accent. Oh. That would have been a much funnier bit. Can you do a Danish accent? I would. Uh, I would really that like some the- of the. Uh, <laughs> I would, I would that, enjoy a few of these biscuits. That is not a Danish <laughs> accent. What is that? <laughs> I can unhinge my jaw and eat an entire ham. <laughs> now. That's like Belgian. <laughs> what? It's definitely not Belgian. It's not Danish. Don't bring the Belgians into this. <laughs> don't bring. Don't besmirch Hercule Poirot Look, right. with that voice. Look, I I want 
to talk about some Great Dane theology with Andrew. So perhaps you could like save your xenophobia for after right. this discussion. We've got a lot of episode left. Yeah, I know, I know we do. Well, uh, there's Sorry. a, a um, very important yeah. part of the plot that I am dying to discuss as well. Okay. Okay. Can I just ask you one more question yes. about about Marmaduke being in hell? Well. Um, <laughs> we need to move. We need to get this out of the way. <laughs> do you not? Do you not think that there is an argument that because he is always getting in his owner's way and like make and like you know causing like causing trouble? Uh, do you not think that he is basically a rebellious revolutionary and he's very kind of no gods, no masters? Because if he is, and I don't think he should necessarily be going to hell. Well, I think he might ha- might sleep the, the the restful peace of of the soulless. Well, number one, if he doesn't believe in God and there is a God and a hell, he's going. Uh, number okay. two, what if like what if he was a test put here on Earth by God for his owner, you know, to teach him patience and humility? In which case, mm. it is really his owner's uh, reaction that will determine whether or not his owner goes to heaven. Marmaduke will still be going to hell because he's a dog who doesn't talk. But mm-hmm. is it something which is God's so- like, sorry, my hands are tied, Marmaduke. You know the rules. Is it something which is so morally appalling to attempt to own another living being mm. that it's in fact Marmaduke's owner who's going to hell? I'm actually... Even though Marmaduke doesn't have a soul. You don't want to go down this alley. You're going to hear all of my bad opinions about owning pets. I'm one of those people who sees like one of those really bad-brained takes on like Twitter where someone says, uh, owning a pet is actually slavery. And I go, you know, <laughs> you know, oh, <laughs> uh, it's how I feel. Oh, like all the- Yeah, that's why I've got my cat building a pyramid. <laughs> I, I know people who own birds and they're like, I love birds. But I'm like, let them out then. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think you should own a bird. I don't think you should own a bird. I think that's I think that's a weird thing to to want to own. Here's, because- maybe a flightless bird like an ostrich. That would be fun. <laughs> here, here is a be- Just have it on your couch. All right, here's a belief of mine that I'm sure many, 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 many people around the world will happily disagree with, and that is that I think Let's it's it. it's okay to have cats and dogs as pets because we have domesticated them and now they are stuck in this situation. Can't just let them all go. We're going to have feral dogs and cats everywhere. That's no good. That's some Mad Max mm-hmm. shit. Uh, but everything else, leave them alone. Just let them run around out there. You don't need to. Oh, no, I th- no, I, no, no, I think I agree with you. Oh, good. Mm. Yeah. Well, then- no, 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 and Marmaduke think- should I- be kept in hell for his own <laughs> safety. Yeah, and Marmaduke is burning in hell. That's the. <laughs> That's right. And you got all. He knows what he did. You know, uh, you got like all the. All the- <laughs> dog, dog hell where there's just constantly cars yeah. going past out of reach and like all the cheese is on a really high counter. He's da- like he, tantalus, he's- the, the, the cheese recedes from him. He's, da- he's just down in hell meditating on his, on his many, many sins. Maybe I shouldn't have yeah. knocked over all those glasses of water. Well, you got a lot of time to think about it now, Marmaduke. If Marmaduke has not got a soul, then what is in hell? A lot of dogs. So many dogs. Mm. But, yeah. like, <laughs> but, like, all dogs. What, but like what aspect of them is in hell? Uh, it's, uh, if they have no souls. It's them and there is somebody who stands there and pulls their arm back with a stick in their hand and then they go like they're going to throw and they don't let it go. Uh, and then that just kind of keeps hell. going for roughly There's just like 8 billion dogs all crowded <laughs> around the same guy yeah. just woofing. I think dog I That think, would be such a terrible job being the hell dog stick guy. Well yeah, that's that's the hell, hell for someone like who a, hates dogs. 
uh, as you you get sent <laughs> yeah. down. And yeah, you, that's true. You have to hold a stick up around like seven million Great Danes jumping up at you. You know. So and that's hang on, a, that's hang on, a hang on, hang on, hang on. Lack of class solidarity keeps us all down because <laughs> the dogs and the man are in the same situation, but they can't realize that if they just united. This is what I mean about Marmaduke being a rebellious spirit. Anyway, uh, all right. Would it be dog heaven to be sent to the hell of the person who hates dogs? You said one question. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, no. You know what? That, that's absolutely. That's, that's absolutely, a question that's for the absolutely, listener. That's absolutely fair. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll put, we'll put, pass that over to the listeners. Please tell me what you think about dog heaven and dog hell. Pop that Let's on the talk about the episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, put a pin um, in that one. Yeah. So some some other like crucial plot points are that uh, Jerry. Uh, ducked out of a dinner with his uncle by pretending he was ill because he really wanted to see Plan 9 from outer space. Uh, they're waiting uh, for this table in the Chinese restaurant. As Andrew said, uh, George is trying to call this woman, uh, Tatiana, who uh, he has previously been on a date with, uh, which didn't go very well, but he's convinced her to go on a second date with him. We'll come to that in a moment. Uh, uh, Elaine makes a comment about how they should give out the tables in order of how hungry you are, playing into her hungry storyline. Mm-hmm. And she's right. I identify with Elaine so strongly in this episode. Look, me, like, me too. And I also, if like if we go to a place and there's a big line, I just turn around and start walking somewhere else. I yeah, so do oh, I. Absolutely. So do I. I simply will not queue to eat. If we're going somewhere, okay, how good the food is, and there is a line that indicates that I will not be asking anyone about food for forty-five minutes. Fucking gone. I don't care how good mm. the brunch is meant absolutely. to be or whatever. It's going to be after lunchtime by that time. I haven't. It. It's not brunch anymore. Everyone's <laughs> crowding around to get their bit of the passenger that we've roasted on a spit, <laughs> and then you're like, you know what? I'm going to see if there's a Nando's around here or something. This is taking forever. That's it. Yeah, exactly. There's uh, there's that horrible. There actually is because you're still in the airport. It's just a delayed flight. There's a there's a, a plume of smoke and the horrible stench of dead, burning human body, and I come around the corner and go, oh great. A line. Ugh. <laughs> I, f- I, f- I feel like for some All the best sides are going to be gone. <laughs> I feel like for somebody who has a particular phobia about cannibalism, I feel like we've talked about that much more, <laughs> much more than I'm really, really comfortable <laughs> with. It's a fun image. It's a fun image. Um, it is a, no, no, it's, a, it's, it's Mom, very fun. Maybe Marmaduke this is cu- the hell dog turning the Maybe this the is curing me. Maybe this is kind of like a version therapy. Yeah, no, no, no. If you queue for brunch, you're a cuck. That's my position. Yeah. Like, no eggs are that good, and I don't care what kind of pig you are. Now, the uh, no. the, the maitre d' at the, at the Chinese restaurant is played by the legend James Hong, uh, mm-hmm. who we'd all know from Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Lots of I other did, I did not know this man. Uh, he's, he's okay. uh, what's her name, Tia Carrera's father in Wayne's World 2. He's in... I didn't know that. So many things. Absolute wealth of things. He also directed a really batshit insane movie one time, uh, which I still haven't watched. Which is? Uh, oh, he was in Blade Runner. Oh. Mm. I think you're officially the most knowledgeable Seinfeld podcast guest <laughs> we've had so far. There's a movie called The Vineyard, uh, an American horror film directed by James Hong. And yeah. it's about uh, a guy who uses... Uh, oh, he is Dr. Elson Poe. He fears that he is getting too old and uses the blood of his prisoners to make his world-famous wine. And then he uh, asks... This is more cannibalism shit! He asks his god right. for eternal That's life. That's all this is going around. Drinks his wine and becomes young again. Ugh. 
this this episode of the podcast with Andrew is really like a a, a, a view into a different reality <laughs> of what if Andrew had decided to start a Seinfeld podcast that <laughs> was actually about Seinfeld and involved like knowledgeable commentary about sort of, you know, behind the scenes, interesting facts and things like that, as opposed to the, the Seinfeld. This is like the only meeting point between those two realities. The reality you're in, the listener, is the reality where Phoebe and I started a Seinfeld podcast, <laughs> which is entirely about cannibalism <laughs> Uh, cows, um, theology. Uh, Joseph Fritzl. Yeah, exactly. Things of that nature. Oh, God. Um, we haven't actually talked about Fritzl yet, so that is yeah, well, fingers crossed. The Fritzl. No, seal. just just mentioning him doesn't really count. Oh, it would have to be some sort of discussion of the man, and you know what? We don't have time. No, we don't. You got to say it um, three times, looking in a mirror. I think. <laughs> and then your house gets its own basement. Um, so yeah, they're waiting for this table. George is queuing for the payphone. People are using the payphone for ages. Uh, Jerry bets Elaine $50 that she won't steal food off someone's plate in the restaurant and then say thank you very much and walk off. Um, uh, yeah. So so the whole thing with George, right, where he's waiting to get on the payphone, because again, we have this insanely uh, sealed in amber 1990s thing of he cannot just tell a person mm-hmm. where they are. Um, he's... No. He's told her that they're going to be going out somewhere and that he would let her know and that then she was going to come and meet them there or go to the movie or whatever. Mm. So he's, he's trying to get onto the phone. He can't because other people keep using it. But the reason that things are kind of testy with this girl is brought up slightly earlier when Jerry asks about it. Uh, he asks about it when they're first there waiting in line and George makes a face and motions to Elaine like not in front of her, right? So when she goes off to do something, they, they sit down and talk about it for a second. And this is one of the things that, to me, makes Seinfeld an extremely classic TV show. And as sitcoms go, something that was distinctly like for adults, you know, in comparison to say. So, so you know, you got episodes like, um, I don't know if, have, has the bet already happened? No, 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 okay, no. Okay, because mm-hmm. like, that's, that's a super prime example of something where just by couching things in metaphors and you know, <laughs> speaking about things like that, they managed to talk about some very adult stuff. And so the situation that George describes to Jerry is he says, all right, I've gone out with this girl. We're back at her place after the date. Things are going well. We start having sex. He doesn't say we start having sex. He says, you know, we start doing our thing and it's going well despite being the first time and everything, you know. And then he says, and I'm, I'm going to look at the script here for this because <laughs> this is... He's got the fucking refer, script up. Refer to his notes. <laughs> uh, no, this is, You've come on this podcast to make us look like hacks. That's what's <laughs> happened. The, the, all right, the, re- the reason I'm looking at this, right, is because just for this paragraph yeah. of, of the script... I want to read the actual thing word for word, right? And then we're going to discuss what he's really saying. Okay. Mm. So he says, she invites me back to her apartment. It's this little place, this little bathroom. It's like right there. It's not even down a little hole or off in an alcove. There's no buffer zone. So we start to fool around Mm. and it's the first time and it's early in the going. And I begin to perceive this impending intestinal requirement whose needs (laughs) are going to surpass by great lengths anything in the sexual realm. So I know I'm going to have to stop. And as this is happening, I'm thinking, even if I can somehow manage to momentarily extricate myself from the proceedings and relieve this unstoppable force, I know that the bathroom (laughs) is not going to provide me with the privacy 
that I know I'm going to need. And so he then goes on to explain that he said to her, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I think it'd be best if I leave. Jerry says, you said this to her afterwards? He says, no, during. Uh, <laughs> so he's handled, he's handled it very badly. But So we've got a primetime sitcom where one of the lead characters is explaining to the other one that he went on a date and then he was fucking a girl but he had to take a shit so badly that he had to stop having sex with her, but he couldn't take a shit there in the apartment because the door was too close and it was going to be such a terrible shit that he couldn't possibly do it there. So he's had yeah. to- One of those real toilet bowl cracking shit. Yeah, just, just a real horror show, you know? Mm. It's yeah, uh, not good at all. Like, how- you don't get that on Friends, is what I'm saying. <laughs> you don't get, you really no, don't. Don't get anyone on It'd Friends. It's a very different show. <laughs> you don't get anyone on Friends discussing whether or not they would be able to make it to the end of the sex they're having without shitting themselves. And, just, and Friends is the poorer show for it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. The, you know. There's uh, they're just over there doing their all their weird gay panic jokes. You know. Man, I hate Friends so much. Yeah. Just it's just born a generation of people who go, no, 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 it's really it's hilarious because this guy, he doesn't share food. <sighs> because now get this, he really likes food. So let's say you were in a plane crash and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're roasting one of the other passengers. You wouldn't want to let this guy do the roasting. You're hanging out with your pig. Yeah. There's one egg. <laughs> <laughs> There's one fucking egg. One egg. Um mm. Raw in the shell. I do think that it's I like I hate that Joey doesn't share food thing. It's very, it's very exhausting. Like uh, in the moment that we are in, to constantly see everybody like trying to find things from like you know a thirty-year-old episode of Seinfeld or a thirty-year-old episode of Friends to go. When they said this, it was transphobic. And you're like, yes, of course it was. It's thirty years old. Um, but yeah, like with with rewatching old friends, the thing I'm most struck by is like for the first however many seasons, Joey's main role is actually to say, Haha, can I fuck you to all of his friends? <laughs> he's just constantly <laughs> he's constantly just going, That's that's funny. I like your breasts. Uh to each of his friends. Uh to all of them. Hmm. And women want to be told that they're funny and that they have good breasts. It's it's what, yeah. like, I know that that's, the- that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Woke king, Joey Tribbiani. <laughs> they, they, they don't want to, they don't want to be hungry and they want to be laughed at with, yeah. laughed with. Want to be told they've got and great knockers. That's, yeah. Yeah. Is it phys- physical? These, these are the, these hilariously are the- great knockers. These knockers are-, are not only great, but also have a sort of comedic. These are the, these are the, element. this is the hierarchy of needs. Yeah. Snacks, admiration, chuckles. That's right. It's all women want. That's beautiful. There you go. I've I've solved it. I've solved that's, women. That's what that Mel Gibson film was about. Mm. I swear to God, if I hear that, if I hear <laughs> one more mention, you need to stop saying the phrase "what women want," <laughs> and I will stop saying that's what that Mel Gibson film was about. Um, and the film I meant was Mad Max. But, Jesus Christ. Um, it's all about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I think Mad Max, Mad Max, <laughs> water taking up a large part of the pyramid in uh, Mad Max loves hierarchy of needs. 
<laughs> That's really tickled, Vivi. Oh, I also inhaled a bit of croissant, and now I'm joking. <laughs> Great. That's fun. So, we'll she be going to dog hell. Uh, only time will tell. So, um, so George is really fucked up by needing to take a shit while he's fucking so badly that he's ruined yeah. his relationship. <laughs> and that is why he desperately needs to get to the payphone so that he can tell her, here's the Chinese restaurant we're at, and she can then come there. Uh, and that's his, his that's whole motivation. And this spins off into like George becoming the Joker, uh, ranting about yeah. living in a society. Yeah. Uh, it's one of George's catchphrases. Yeah, I have that big letters in my notes that he, after re- re- being refused the payphone by someone, he just shouts out, we live in a society. Um, Seinfeld truly ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a very... If I have to queue, I become the Joker, so... Yeah. There are a lot of points in Seinfeld where people are, are just like, if you don't follow the rules, society breaks down into chaos. Everybody goes crazy. Everybody's doing more of a Heath Ledger in the Dark Knight kind of Joker in this movie, I think. <laughs> no mm. one's doing a Jared Leto Joker, which is a shame. No. That is a shame. Um, yeah, no one can quite pull that off apart from Jared Leto. It's like a real, it's a powerful energy. That's right. Um, I had to watch all four hours moments. of the Snyder Cut just to... Just to see him again. Oh. Oh. <laughs> there's, something, there's something about the expression Snyder Cut that it does just sound like a euphemism. It does, yeah. It sounds like it sounds it sounds like something that you might like find on 8chan to like mean circumcision. Sounds like a badly done circumcision, yeah. doesn't it? Ooh, you got the Snyder yeah. Cut. Oh Whoa. yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> would you would you let Zack Snyder be your moil? <laughs> No, <laughs> I got a trendy asymmetric circumcision. Like, like he's a fringe, but a foreskin. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Always brushing it to the side. There was a, there was a, there was a, there was a guy at my sit form who like who like tore off half of his foreskin. Hell yeah! What like not as a pur- protest? Not, no, not on purpose. Like not like kind of sort of tearing on the dotted line. He got it stuck. Mm. I don't know. I don't know the circumstances in which he got it stuck, but he got it stuck. And then he had to have the rest of it cut off. I'm going to be one of those guys who goes out and gets an adult circumcision just for some to make some kind of point. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what the point is? What's I, the point? I haven't thought about it that much yet, but we'll see. We'll see afterwards. You know, well, it's like a midlife crisis thing. Like, you know what I really want for my birthday? I kind of put it on your bucket list. I understand that there's there's like medical reasons for getting adult circumcisions, yeah. but it's wild to me that there are people who are just like, oh, I've seen people on the internet say that it's cleaner this way, so. Let's sort this thing out. I want a, I want a drop top penis. <laughs> like this whole thing, like you know, New Year, New Me. Yeah. I'm, fucking, I'm fucking sick of it. I'm sick of this little hat. Get rid of it. Just tidy this thing up. You know, yeah. it, is, it is kind Let's of a, a beanie for the dick. I think it's more of um more of like a uh, like a roll neck jumper. Oh, okay, like a turtleneck. Yeah. I just know that I'm currently that rolls over at the top. It would be like a double layered foreskin in that case. Like when you're putting on a roll neck jumper, and <laughs> <laughs> every penis is stuck <laughs> in the process. Not every penis. No, every penis that hasn't been had some aftermarket modifications. All I know is that I'm currently mm-hmm. losing a lot of speed to wind resistance. I'm getting a lot of drag on this thing, <laughs> and I want a more aerodynamic form factor. Well, technically, yeah. if you still if you still got this, if you still got your foreskin stuff, that's keeping you from um, from the eternal kingdom Whew. and the power. Oh wait, and the glory no, like, like in a bad way. What or- Saudi Arabia? Yes, first of all, yes. Um, yeah, no, 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 that is stand that is standing between you and God. Like, if you keep if you keep that thing, you're going to end up in hell alongside Marmaduke. Yeah. 
Gotta really? you show up at heaven and God's like, how am I supposed to suck this? Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm going to show up in hell and the devil will be like, here's your stick. Go middle of that field. You finally, you finally get to ask God about the circumcision thing. And he's like, it's just cleaner. <laughs> I, just, oh, no. I just prefer it. It just looks cuter. I just really hate roll neck jumpers. It was, Look, it was the I, one. I designed thing. it one way. I changed my mind <laughs> yeah. later. It was too. We'd already send it all to the printers. It was the one thing I forgot. It's yeah. it's what it's what the uh, before you leave the house take one thing off. Thing <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> was inspired by. <laughs> Finished designing designing uh, cis men, and then was just like, no, it's over accessorized. Get rid of that last <laughs> thing. Arguing. Arguing with um with uh, the the police who are arresting you for indecent exposure that you are technically wearing a foreskin. Um, I am not naked in the style of uh, the the Chinese meal guy. <laughs> and what is the charge? I think that the idea of um suddenly realizing that you need to go to the bathroom during sex is quite both quite relatable and I think that I actually don't think he did anything particularly wrong like like is it isn't, I wouldn't be, isn't that kind of the hallmark of of a lot of like Larry David stuff is that you can yeah. you can see how it's perceived terribly by other people but also mm. that he's quite justified in in his feelings about oh, them. This, yeah. this is this I always is, this think is that my, about Kirby enthusiasm I'm just like yeah this guy's this right. is my this is my big, this is my biggest this. hobby horse that Larry David is actually is in Curb, he's very, very rarely wrong. I, it's the world that is wrong. Yeah, and around him. I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen all of Curb, or I haven't seen a great deal of Curb, but um, mm. it kind of, it kind of strikes me as being that sort of, uh, I don't know, comedic conceit of saying, yeah, it is just this amplified version of myself. Where what would happen if I, if I didn't let it go? All of those times, normally. Uh, in in society, where you're supposed to just kind of let it go, um, yeah. kind of like a like a Tim Robbins, not Tim Robbins, Tim Robinson. No, I think you should leave. I I keep thinking of that show as like um like mm. you know in a lot of sketch shows, it would normally kind of be the the awkward punchline at the end is where they finish the sketch. Whereas mm. I feel like a lot of his sketches are, what if we started from the point? Of a very awkward thing happening, and then we just keep pushing on through that, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like you meet someone's dog called Marmaduke. You're having to pretend. <laughs> yep. that you having don't to pretend like that a, thing's not going to hell. A soulless <laughs> demon uh, quietly crossing yourself. <laughs> the eternal fires of hell. Yeah. That horrible uncircumcised dog. Yeah, that blessing your water glass and attempting to splash <laughs> it on the dog. Um, yeah. No. I mean. I. I mean. I. I wouldn't be. I would not be delighted if I was having sex with someone and mm. during they just said, I, I'm going to have to I got to go. I, I, I got to go. They, they seem very but, sweaty, you know? <laughs> no, you're, it, you're, too, it, you're too hot. That's the problem. But it would surely be much worse if they like leapt off you and then took a kind of noisy, mm. like villainous shit like just, in the next At room. least then you would know that it was not your fault. You would know that it was purely a shit-based situation and not a, like, I've become disgusted with you halfway through sex. But, but you can situation. also... Has this ever happened to you? This this suddenly needing to shit during sex? Uh, no. Andrew? No. We got married. Been married for a long time now. I would say... Oh, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this quietly so that my wife doesn't hear it when she doesn't listen to this podcast. 
Uh, I feel like that does happen, but more the other way around, you know? Ladies do need to be running to the bathroom. Uh, See, this mm. is the thing because I've I've ha- I've had this, but with uh, but with the secret we, mm-hmm. um, secret we, yeah, the secret we, we don't is talk we about the secret the royal we. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's like it's even it's a, even a higher level than the royal we. Yeah, uh, the secret we is the we that lives inside your body and only makes itself known when you are precisely halfway through a very long walk, mm-hmm. or when you start fooling around with someone, and then it just uh-huh. like appears and it's just like hi. Bet you didn't think you'd need me. Um, yeah. So that's definitely happened with the secret Here way. Here I am. The Here secret am. way. The secret way. Exactly. Well, yeah. uh, look, so that's def- that like happens quite a lot. In fairness to the ladies, you are also uh, having your insides jostled a bit, you know? There's a bit of... There's <laughs> a bit of... Like, jostled. Jostled. There's a bit of pressure happening. Maybe you're getting leaned on, you know? So- so how oh. was it? I tell you, he jostled my insides. He jostled, jostled me. He jostled my insides. He, ga- he, gave, me, he gave me a good jostling. Right. The it's ladies all, love it. It's all mixed up in there now. He jostled me sideways. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of the more advanced positions, actually. Um, yeah, we love to be jostled, mm-hmm. don't we, lads? Mine are just like, I just want to jostle someone. <laughs> yeah. All right. R.I.P. to my sex life. Um, yeah, on, even if jostling on. capabilities, you'll, you'll jostle again. Halfway through, you'll jostle again. <laughs> we'll jostle again. again. Don't know no, when. Don't, don't know when. I swear to God, some sunny day. So, so George Berlin <laughs> talking about fucking in a song like just very obliquely is great. <laughs> So George pulls the plug yeah. and decides to take his nasty, loud, rancid shit somewhere else out of respect for his date, and that's fine. That's that's an ally. Yeah. That's a king, you know. I still, I, I still, I, I still think he probably should have explained this to her. Yeah. Rather than just, rather than just dipping. Yeah, out. but as he said, and I didn't have time, which is true. Fine, but he could have like called her. Oh no, because she wouldn't take his calls, would she? Because he. He says, like, leapt off her. says, I'm dressing and she's staring up at me, struggling to compute this unprecedented turn of events. I don't know what to say to reassure this woman. And worst of all, I don't have the time to say it. I have to get out of here and find a place to put this big steamy shit. Uh, the only excuse she might have possibly accepted is if I told her I am in reality Batman. And I'm very sorry. I just saw the bat signal. It took me three days of phone calls just harassing this woman, George. Uh, Just saw the shit signal. To get her to agree to see me again. Now she's waiting for me to call her, and she's still on the phone. This fucking lady who cut in on him, who also has a great line, uh, which is, he just gets, like, uh, completely owned by everybody else who Mm -hmm. was talking on the phone. There's the first guy that he's waiting for, where he keeps going over and trying to talk to him, and the guy just, like, totally blanks him and turns away, turns his back on him. Mm -hmm. Dude is very rude. Uh, George is saying snide things to his back, even suggesting to Jerry that perhaps they're going to have a fist fight with this man, which uh, Jerry takes at face value as being a completely absurd thing to say. Uh, And when the guy's off the phone, he says to George, sorry, I took so long on the phone, to which George says, hey, no problem, everything's fine, Uh, which is what most normal people do, I think, in social situations. I like that. I think that's cute. Uh, And the same thing with, with uh, with the other lady who strolls over and just picks up the phone before he gets to it. And he says, I was here first. She says, if you were here first, you'd be holding the phone. Uh, (laughs) And you can't really argue with that, can you? No. No, no, that is true. That is very true. 
Yeah. No, what I was going to say is I like the bit where Elaine tries and fails to bribe <laughs> because, again, I I really think that if I ever try to bribe someone, yeah. it's just going to go badly. Kind of position that, that yeah. it's just Nature it's just D what is really I an ent- entry level bribe. Like you don't want to start with a cop or something. Mm. Like you want to start with you know it's a low stakes bribe. I'm just like a really like ineffective briber. I think I think just like throwing <laughs> throwing away money, not really getting anything out of so it. So are you trying to bribe an officer of the restaurant? It's like, no, I'm just tipping you, officer. It's preemptively. Tipping the cops. <laughs> yeah. mm. Tipping the cops. Thank you very much for the work that you do. Supposed leftist caught tipping the cops. <laughs> um... <laughs> There's some anti. There's That's some... actually just like a very funny thing to do, like calling the cops for some like <laughs> nuisance thing, and then just like putting like five bucks in each of their top <laughs> pockets and going like, "Get yourself something nice." <laughs> uh, there's some more, um, more praxis happening in this episode as well. I just remembered. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, about how they said that the cops should double up as garbage men, like when they're just like standing around, yeah. like give them a broom, like make them do something useful, and mm. like actually, it's not a bad idea. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw that in a defund the police uh, infographic on yeah. Instagram. That's where I get all my information. Give them a broom. Well, yeah. and um, and I think for uh, lots of American cops in particular, all of the trouble comes around from them saying, hey, you've got all this time. You're supposed to be arresting people. You're supposed to <laughs> yeah. be giving out tickets. Whereas if you said, hey, just yeah. like just sweep until some crime comes along. Then you'd just doing performance analysis, and they're like, "We gave you this gun, and you've barely fired it. <laughs> what do you What do you think it's for? You know that if you don't fire it, the like it'll grow over." Uh, in Australia, <laughs> similar thing with the foreskin. Yeah, exactly. You don't have sex for long enough. Yeah, it just grows over the top. You know they have like quotas for parking tickets and speeding tickets and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, in Australia, they got quotes for like searching people. And strip searching people. Oh, well, that can't end badly. Oh, cool. cool. I can't see that being a bad no. thing to do to police. I, yeah, I, like, I think that the best people in the world who should be uh, given a strip search quota are the police. I think they're the absolute, they're mm. the absolute top of the list I, I'd choose. What could go Certainly wrong? better than Marmaduke. You, wouldn't let Mar- you couldn't let Mar- Marmaduke couldn't strip search someone. He hasn't got opposable thumbs. Well, that's what would make it particularly harrowing, I think. He'd just <laughs> be kind of clawing at you until you were naked. <laughs> And even if you found something, um, he couldn't tell you about it. Fuck. But the things that he saw would taunt him in the fires of dog hell. Yeah. And he would deserve mm. it. Uh, Elaine also has a great line uh, where she says, when you're a kid, eating out is an adventure, and now I'm just a big sweaty hog waiting for them to fill up the trough. <laughs> 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 Which again, if you're wondering what listening to this podcast is like... <laughs> Or making it, for that matter. Yeah, or making it. I uh, we're, we're filling the trough with raw eggs. I um, I have a really like, legs. Like I've got a very distinct memory of that sensation as a kid of like going to the local Chinese restaurant for dinner. You know, like on a oh yeah, on a yeah, yeah no, definitely. And um, and getting really hungry, and seeing them bring out food from the back, and they walk towards your table, and you go, <laughs> and then they go past, and you go. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking die here. I'm going to have to eat somebody. Um, <laughs> but uh, and that's when Marmaduke appears on your shoulder. That's like the that's what happens in like kind of the back room of your local Chinese restaurant when you're a kid. Like, like if the wo- if the women or the children get 
get hungry enough, they've got a they've got a person back there. They got somebody. Yeah. Who took who took too long getting out of their plane seat. Um yeah. Which is weird because they could just have an extra chef who could like pick up some of the cooking slack, but nope, they've just they've just got a guy who you can eat. They keep hiring chefs and then like putting them in the back putting them in the back room <laughs> for people to eat. Mm. And just be like, maybe we could Yes. This Do you like to... feeding people? <laughs> yes. That's certainly something oh, you'll be doing. Ah! You will be... Hannibal left a Chinese <laughs> restaurant owner. <laughs> now there's a sitcom. <laughs> <laughs> On the job application it says, you will be satisfying the hunger of anywhere up to 10 of our customers. <laughs> <laughs> I think I could do more than that. <laughs> do you think Hannibal Lecter would serve human to other people if he had a restaurant or if he was having a dinner party? He, he does, does in the TV he series Hannibal. Oh, does he? I do, he does which in the. Obviously, I have not seen. It's got Mads Mickelson in it, though. I don't care. So that's a little that you know. Oh, what, what, what's 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 tipping the scale more, the cannibalism or Mads Mickelson? I don't have any particular strong, feel- strong positive feelings about madness. So, to, so to, How is that possible? To answer your question in the movie Red Dragon, uh, I think when that movie starts mm. off, Graham Norton's Graham Norton, Edward Norton's character, Will Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Graham Norton. <laughs> I would watch it if it had Graham Norton in it. Oh boy! We're having a wonderful <laughs> dinner. <laughs> Edward Norton's... A bit salty. Is that chicken? Will Graham. They are different people. Tear them apart in your mind. Um, He goes to see Hannibal Lecter to say, hey, I think I've got a break in this case of someone who's been eating all these people. Um, And he's having a dinner party at the time, Hannibal Lecter is, where he's serving mysterious and delectable sweetbreads uh, to all the Mm. other people there. While they also discuss the um, like mi- missing orchestra member who was always hitting bum notes and disrespecting the music, you know. Uh, so that's just it to Hannibal. Yeah, he's like hey. Hannibal only ever eats people who deserve it. So, like yeah, bad so, jealous. Exactly. So the concerns. So the concerns are like they're aesthetic and artistic. Yeah, and I appreciate that. And so he does. He does. He feeds uh, a rude person to some other people. I don't know if the implication is that he doesn't like them that much, and that's why he's serving it to them. And then he also, in a different movie, cuts off the top of Ray Liotta's head and takes out pieces of his brain while he's alive and feeds it to Ray Liotta. Uh, oh. So he feeds a person to that oh, same that's, person. That's, disgu- that's disgusting. And. Mm. Yeah, weirdly, that's actually in Goodfellas. <laughs> one of the one of the director's cut <laughs> scenes. Yeah, that prison scene where they're always eating. That's uh, just Rayleigh Otter's brain. As far back as I could remember, I always wanted <laughs> to know what it was like to eat my own brain while I was still alive. A timeless line. Yeah, yeah maybe maybe if you ate like a bit of your own brain, it would make you happier. Have to be the right bit, the posting bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like the bit that you makes you a to podcaster. Isolate the anxiety and just eat that. Re- yeah. Remove the podcasting center of the brain. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the podcasting nebula. Um, right. What else? What else do we have to? What other plot points are there in this just episode? Just that dominance right. over yourself. So uh, the the woman who Jerry doesn't know who she is uh, comes up and talks to Jerry, and he has to sort of like bluff his way through it, which is, this is a very relatable part of the episode where you sort of like, you do, you know that you know someone, but you have no idea what their name is, and you're trying to attempt to get through this conversation without giving that information away. 
Exactly. And then uh, Elaine sort of rescues him by saying, oh, I'm Elaine, forcing this woman to introduce herself as Lorraine. Um, classic Elaine-Lorraine situation. It's like how Hannibal is a cannibal. Mm. You have to have yeah. the rhyme. Otherwise, mm. it doesn't work. This wouldn't be the same. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In the books, um, and then it trans- in the books Hannibal is yeah. meant to have purple irises. <laughs> like in the Seinfeld books. <laughs> <laughs> the original. I, I prefer the books myself. Hannibal is a character in the Seinfeld books. It's a little bit tonally off, but he is in there. Yeah. Imagine the hundreds of books that Seinfeld is based on. <laughs> yeah, the original. The original Seinfeld yeah. books. They're like, uh, they're like yeah, what, what by Philip K. Dick. They're like Babysitter's Club type length, you know? They're like a goosebumps, <laughs> a goosebumps kind of like. Um, uh, R.L. Steinfeld. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. What were you about to say before uh, Milo interrupted you? Who could say? Uh, I thought uh, I Milo. interrupted somebody else, but I will say this: this um, episode uh, is like is really interesting because it's twenty minutes long. It's yeah. it's mm, classic. It's the big nothing happens in this episode episode. So it's like uh, it, it is actually genuinely difficult to go recap what happened in this episode because mm. all you can really say for any of them is, yeah, like Elaine's very hungry. She wants to know when they're going to get their table. She gets dared to eat somebody's food. Uh, she doesn't. Mm. Then she continues to be hungry. You know, like that's mm. that's it. You can't actually <laughs> besides going yeah. through I mean, and I mean, saying all the bits of dialogue they're having with each other and, and each, all the jokes they're making plot wise. That's all you can say yeah. for her for the episode. It does follow uh, like Kurt Vonnegut's principles of fiction writing which is where you have to work out what each of your character want characters want and then put them through hell so that they don't get it well uh mm. apparently the the going to see the movie part of the episode was introduced after the first draft of it had gone to the executives who'd said mm. there's nothing happening nothing happening at all and larry mm. charles said well we'll put this in to give it like a bit of a ticking ticking clock uh, kind of aspect to it, mm. where they have to get this thing done so that they can get somewhere else and it applies some pressure. And then they showed it to them and they went, still don't get it. No good. To tie the room together. <laughs> it really tied the room together. Um, yeah, because that's, that's, that's the running thing is them being in an urgent hurry, both, both to eat and also to get to the movie. They also have an argument about what else they could eat if not the Chinese restaurant. And uh, Elaine turns down all of Jerry's suggestions about going to a burger place. Or, uh, no, Elaine wants to go to oh, the burger place. Burger Jerry place. Uh, says no because he has to sit. Because right, yeah. he, he's saying about how like he can't go and see the bad film on his own because it's one thing to see a good film on your own, but it's another thing to see a bad film on your own because that's just like pathetic and weird. I agree with him. He also... Uh, like You wouldn't go and see The Room on your own, would you? He also refuses to look at the menu before they sit down. Oh, yeah, no, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. That's really, really weird. So it's like, got to be sitting down at the table before I'll look at the menu, uh, which pisses me I also, though, find it weird people who look at a menu online before they arrive at yeah, a restaurant. Yeah, that's weird to me. And arrive me. knowing what they want. This has happened to me on, uh, like, particularly on dates, actually, before this has happened to me. Really? I look, I look on menus online before I go somewhere, but that's because I don't eat meat, so I have to, like... Mm. I have to like make sure that there is something. Got to that... make sure they've got Marmaduke the dog. Yeah, that's the only meat I'm willing to eat. I will eat Great Danes. Not meat if it doesn't have a soul. Yeah. So I, I assume it's dark. I assume it's um 
yeah, for people with dietary requirements who tend to do that. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's the only reason I do. I think it's weird, like I think it's a bit odd to do it otherwise. Although no, no, it's like it's very much like a thing. Like yeah, some like, people just like that feeling of control. It's like a know? kind of. Like, it seems like a kind of little bit of a kind of girl posting thing. Waiting yeah. for the infographic. Yeah, like just can we just normalize <laughs> looking at a menu before you go to the restaurant because that uncertainty gives you anxiety. I literally have seen that post. Like, like <laughs> of course the, you like, have. Of course, that's, that's an actual post ah! that did a huge amount of numbers. Like, can't like. Uh, like yeah, along with I like, can, yo, like, you have yeah. a sauna chair, four hundred k likes. I I need to yeah. I need to go to the restaurant. I need to be surprised. I need to see the specials mm. so I can not uh. order them. Mm. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> you guys ever order? Be ordering you guys ever order a special at a place? Yeah, I've ordered a special occasionally. Yeah, it's, it's very much an occasion thing, isn't it? It's got to be really yeah, jumping you, uh, off the page at me. You know. If you order the special, you're a cuck. That's the like the <laughs> restaurant is like, oh yeah, you're just gonna order whatever we tell you to order, <laughs> you little bitch. We're just making yeah. something up, aren't you? And you're you, guzzling it up, you little you hog. You don't have any sense of self. You <laughs> just blather into a restaurant like the hog you are, and you order the special, which is a bucket full of raw eggs. You just define your character by the last person you spoke to, and that person <laughs> is me. <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, no, no. You ha- I think you have to make a special kind of like hooting noise if you're going to have a special. <laughs> yeah. Like you've got to do the ooh. ooh. <laughs> oh, I think I will have that. Like a siamang. Yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah. Bang, oh. Banging on the table. <laughs> <laughs> banging on the table for the bucket of raw eggs. Bring it to me. Quick, I need to um, order the thing that they have to use up because it's going off. Exactly, yeah. Which happens to be the, the cursed flesh of the hell dog Marmaduke. Um, Normalize eating the hell dog Marmaduke and thereby mm. catapulting his essential essence into hell where he belongs. I, I will, right. I will, but I'm not paying $35 for it. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Shitting out Marmaduke at your new girlfriend's yeah, place. Yeah. Ooh, that Marmaduke's hitting. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm not used to eating this much Marmaduke. To be fair as well, Marmaduke does sound like a euphemism for a particularly horrible shit. Yeah, ma- Marmadukey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm laying, a laying out a Marmaduke. Mm. Yeah. No. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so the, the final plot points of the episode are that uh, uh, George eventually manages to call Tatiana, but she's not there. So he leaves her a message saying to call him back at the restaurant. Uh, she does call. Uh, the maitre d' yells out, Cartwright a call for you so George doesn't go up and then George a few minutes later goes up and is like has there been a call for me I'm George Costanza and he's like yeah I called out and he's like what when you called out Cartwright and he's like yeah that's your name and he's like no it isn't um, and uh, no, no, George says, then tells Gary says, about this the, the major D says yes there was a call for Costanza I yelled Cartwright Cartwright nobody <laughs> answered so I hung up like he, I mean, he acknowledges like is... that his name is not Cartwright. Oh yeah, before... no, no, he does. Yeah, yeah. I feel like yeah, um, he does. because there is a real sense of uh, being stuck in a, your own little slice of hell in this episode. You know, um, mm. very, very being stuck in limbo because every single time for the duration of the episode that they go back over to the Major D and say, "How much longer is it going to be?" He says, "About five or ten minutes." And he just says the same thing mm. over and over again. They're never getting any closer to their goal. They're never going to get there. Mm. POV, you are Marmaduke. Yeah. Eternity. You are Sisyphus. An eternity in hell. It is Sisyphean. It's mm. entirely Sisyphean. 
Yeah, interesting. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's a bit more like Tantalus, actually. The the Chinese food recedes from them. Oh yeah, no, sorry, it's not like Sisyphus at all, is it? They're, they're... Oh well, no, like it's just not, like it's not fun. entirely unlike Sisyphus. You might say that it's weirdly unimaginative of the Greeks to have two guys whose thing is basically the same. <laughs> I can't remember what it is that Sisyphus has done. I remember what Tantalus did. <laughs> Sisyphus was a very disobedient dog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> You remember what Tantalus did? Tantalus uh, pretended to the gods that he was going to give them a wonderful sacrifice and instead fed them some of his son's thigh. Don't do that, bro. They're going to know. They're the gods. Don't do that. Come on. They're gods. They still ate it because it was good, but that wasn't what they were It was still tasty and, you know, they'd been like, it looked like like that plane was uh, crashing in the middle of a, just the middle of the desert. So they're gods. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Ye, ye gods. There are, there's no ambrosia in the desert. It's, um, or on a plane. Mm. There was another little observation with this episode that I liked, that where because it's meant to be in real time uh, with no breaks mm. for, for the characters, uh, there's a point where, where Jerry is talking about how if, if his, what, what is it, his uncle's secretary tells him that he mm. didn't go to dinner with him, then it's going to get back to everybody through the family tree. You know, they're all going to be mm. all going to be talking about it. Uh, yeah. And he's sitting down next to Elaine and he's saying, oh, he'll tell, you know, my auntie and my auntie will tell her sister. And then it like cuts to a commercial break. And when it comes back from the commercial break, he's still in the middle of saying, and she'll tell my sister and she'll tell my mom and then I'll have to hear about it from her. Like, ah, so it's actually funnier with ads. Yeah, I like yeah, that. That, no, that is good. Uh, delightful. Yeah. Would have just had several minutes of ads. This now this makes even less sense to me, right? Here's some trivia. In 2015, Seinfeld writer Spike Ferriston revealed that the host calling out Cartwright instead of Costanza was a subtle allusion to the classic Western show Bonanza. What? Would, <laughs> would you like to have explained why that is? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bonanza rhymes with Costanza, and that show's main characters are the Cartwright family. Oh my god! Fucking hell! So, uh, that is deep lore. Doing a big shrug. That is extremely deep lore. I oh I god. don't know that that makes a great deal of sense. The kind no. of lore that jostles your insides. Oh. Oh. Bloody love a good jostling. <laughs> love a good jostle. Can't beat a jostle. A jostle. Um, Complete jostle rat. And then the, the sort of the big punchline of the episode is that they leave the restaurant kind of in disgust, and then immediately that they leave, uh, the maitre d' calls their, calls their table. Of course. Classic. A, 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 a gag we saw coming. Mm-hmm. Add that to the we saw you coming section of the, of the bingo gag card. <laughs> yeah. Real watched pot never boils scenario, mm. you know? Yeah. yeah. It's funny because it's true. It is very true, yeah. <laughs> And it's also funny when you think about it being in real time because they have only waited like 18 minutes for this table, which is in the grand scheme of waiting for a table, actually not that, not that wild. No. no. When someone said it would be five or 10 minutes. Yeah, I think that's like relatively normal, even though I wouldn't do it myself. Well, but, mm. but they have the whole we are on a clock to get to the movie thing. They, they're like saying throughout that's the episode, true. if we don't get seated in the next X minutes, we're absolutely not going to have enough time to eat and make it to the movie. Listen, cupcake. I will say... If I don't eat a Chinese meal in the next 15 minutes, <laughs> my heart's going to literally explode. <laughs> uh, 
I will criticize I feel them. Like they should have gone earlier. Yeah, well, yeah. they also chose an extremely poor cuisine for like getting in and out really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like this is on them. You don't you don't want to like share picky bits cuisine for that for that kind of speed. They should they should be all thinking about how they've behaved in this episode mm. and taking some responsibility for their life and their actions. Mm. Which is something I certainly hope to see as we continue with the show. I hope to see that from the hell dog Marmaduke if he ever wants to be redeemed um from his eternal torture. Uh the the episode closes with a bit. It does. Uh, Jerry talks about how, and, and th- I'd actually forgotten about this because the bit is a perfect summation of this fucking episode of the podcast that we've just recorded. Hunger will make you do anything. That's how you get cannibalism. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then no, he does a no. bit. And then he does a bit about how it must be if you're a cannibal, it's like very hard to get a, a deep into a deep sleep because you got like people coming in and you're like, what are you doing in here? You, you hungry? You look hungry. Get out of here. Um, that's how Jerry Seinfeld imagines the cannibal community. Yeah. I'm not sure cannibals oh, do a bit, live in. That's a bit weird, actually. I think that's a bit yeah. of a bit of a surreal observation at the end, though. You assume that the cannibal communities eat the out group, not the in group. Well, you would think so. Yeah. Well, that yeah. that was the issue. That is the issue. They wait for the plane crash. With the traumatic episode of the X Files that I occasionally bring up. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, the- yeah, most episodes of the X Files, pretty run of the mill, day to day stuff happening that everyone can relate to. But occasionally, you get a real, a real weird one, a real spooky ep of the X Files. It's about the da- it's because it's supposed to be about sort of the dangers of cannibalism, but it's actually about the dangers of uh, not being not casting your net wide enough with your cannibalism. Uh, oh. It's about this village who stay like who all stay like who like, it's a village or kind of suburb. They all stay young by. Mm. Um, by eating people, and uh, it turns out it does that keep you young. It, well, it turns out that they're all giving each other CJD because they're just eating people from the suburb, and they're What's all CJD. Just, it's the human version of uh, mad Sounds cow like disease. Sounds like that goes on your credit record. It's the yeah, it's, the, it's called CJD, isn't it? The human version of mad cow disease. What's it? Mad human disease. <laughs> yes, it's mad human disease. What's the acronym though? Is it something funny? What does it stand for? I'm to, Maybe I'm it's not CJD. Out. Jesus. Oh, this is the, oh, this, this is more of my Kreut- inaccurate information. Kreutzfeldt Jacob disease, also known oh, as CJD. Yeah, Kreutzfeldt Jacob disease. Yeah. I'm just gonna say it. Not that funny. It's not that funny. No. 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 But at least we are not paying another visit to Phoebe's misinformation yeah. corner. It would be funnier <laughs> if it was called Mad Human Disease. Yeah. That's what yeah. I think. I'm, I think they should really have thought about the messaging there. Yeah. That so all their, so all their brains. It looks like someone's got a case of Mad Human Disease. So that all their brains go spongy, but if they had just been a bit more uh, diverse with their snacking, we'll they probably would have been fine. A good brain is spongy, absorbent. Mm. Yeah, but it's like too spongy. Too spongy. Absorbent. Cushion from any yeah, hard blows, you know. Information. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absorb information. You don't, want your, you don't want your sponge to get dried out and hard. No. Want it to be a big moist sponge. Well, that's all a hangover is, you know. Well... Yeah. That is yeah. just about all and we've on got that time for. Bombshell. Uh, it it remains for us to uh, thank Andrew very much for joining us thank on the, so second the second episode longest episode we've ever recorded. Uh, you were pipped to the post by Tom Walker, uh, whose entire evening we ruined. Yeah. 
Um, he until night we were. Uh, yeah. Excuse me, Tom is very capable of ruining his own evenings. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> that is very true. Um, well, thank you very much for spending your evening talking to us. Thank you very much. Is there for anything you'd me. like to plug to our audience of hogs waiting for their trough to be filled with raw egg? Uh, well, eggs for all. That's all I can say. Uh, you can find me on Bunta Vista, the podcast Bunta Vista. Milo's been on. Riley's been on. Yeah. Alice has been on. Lots of people have been on that show. Come on, yeah, check it out. It's a good, it's a good show. It's a great show. Go to yeah. It's one of the most polite podcasts I've ever listened to. Yeah, it's delightful and charming. We all just wait for our turn to talk, you know? <laughs> we all <laughs> oh, politely and calmly <laughs> just wait. Yeah, and you say good morning to each other. It's very, you know, it's very wholesome. Right. It's very nice. It's good Vibes podcast. We will keep you updated on the latest news in uh, Bigfoot. Scam technology. <laughs> Bigfoot and big feet. Yep. Uh, and they yeah. all taste delicious as a result of all the good vibes. Well, they're not human feet. So, you know, Bigfoot. No, Notoriously like, not human. True. No, absolutely. So you should, uh, you should hurry along to listen to uh, Bunta Vista and be charmed and delighted by the good vibes therein. And also keep abreast of any important Australian scams for you to avoid. <laughs> um, uh, and also, we have a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. It's $3 to get the regular bonus episodes. It's $5 to get the bonus episodes plus the Discord plus the monthly movie corner. Um, where, where maybe we'll, we'll bully Andrew into watching the Angry Birds movie. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, I've already seen that one. We should watch James Hong's The Vineyard movie about drinking people's blood. <laughs> Phoebe would love that. Well, if we if we do, then you have to watch it with me in case I get scared. Okay, okay. all right. Uh, either that, uh, or you well. should watch one of the feature films with Michael Richards in it. Well, we were thinking about uh, for movie corner. We we're thinking about watching each of the cast members' movies. Mm. Uh, well, you can watch uh, Weird Al Yankovic's uh, UHF that has Michael Richards in it, to being a janitor for the whole movie. Why does the UHF sound like a Northern Irish paramilitary organisation? <laughs> um, <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld having to take on a very interesting accent in that movie. Um, well, you can watch anyway, uh, you can watch uh, Airheads with beautiful himbo Brendan Fraser and uh, Michael Richards yes, in a little oh. in a little pencil moustache and glasses. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So on that note. Um, it's uh, it remains for us only to say goodbye and we'll see you next week on the bonus feed or in two weeks on the free feed bye 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 bye